0: Hey everybody, welcome to episode 270 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitcher and I am in Toronto, Ontario. I'm joined once again by Jaime Olympus Jr. in Seattle, Washington.
1: How's it going? And we
0: also have Mark Rubin on the line in San Jose, California. Remember, I was always complaining about the amount of space on my hard drive, right? So, so I finally bit the bullet last weekend, and I said, okay, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, um, I erased my, I basically cloned my drive to make a backup of it, and then I wiped the wiped the computer, and I and stuck in Mojave, fresh from the App Store, kind of thing, like just a fresh install, and then I did the migration thing to move my accounts back over, right? And I made note of all the sort of things that that are extraneous to like a regular Mac account, because so I run servers on my my Macs and all kinds of stuff like that for development, and so I, I basically, you know, and I only. Inst- and then, I, but I didn't. Inst- I didn't migrate the apps over because they seem to take a lot of space. So I've only because oh, I was carrying around apps from like five, six, seven years ago, right? And including things like Xcode and Photoshop and whatever, right? So um, I just went in and uh, and uh, I only I handpicked the ones that I'm I'm kind of working with now, and all the sort of you know the SQL stuff and the stuff for looking at core data and all, all that kind of crap. You know, the disk recovery stuff. I didn't put that in, and I saved myself a hundred gigabytes of space on my drive. Wow. Yeah. However, I edited a video last week for. For spotcast and now I'm back down to 33 megabytes. <laughs> Wait, megabytes? <laughs> no, giga- gigabytes. Gigabyte. Yeah, yeah, gigabytes. Okay. Yeah. No, the, the thing about this is like it's like w- like there's all this caching that these apps do now, and they, and it's all these secret hidden files that you can't really see, right? And uh, yeah, I, I had a problem with Catalina when I was running beta because at one point I looked at the drive and it had like you know 10 10 gigabytes of space left. It was like a little 256 gig, gig drive, right? And uh, and then I looked at it like 10 minutes later and it was like you know okay, there's eight gigabytes left, and then, then there was like five gigabytes left, and there was like three gigabytes Left. I'm like, what the heck is going on? Because and I'm trashing stuff. I'm like dragging stuff to the trash and emptying trash, and the Finder never updates what's been trashed. And it's because I think that, like, I think that the when you when it starts to do a time machine backup, when it, it does all this sort of caching stuff in the background that you don't see. And Catalina and Mojave and and High Sierra are have been horrible. I'm sure it's APFS, right? Have been horrible about actually reporting in real time how much space you have on your drive. Somebody actually said to me the other day, it's almost like you have to make a, a write a Dummy file to it, just to, to prove to the Mac that it can purge it, or you know, attempt to create a dummy large file to it, so that the Mac will purge the space because it doesn't like it's like the Finder's kind of hanging onto it, or mm. not if its a Finder if the file system is, you know,
2: memory leak. I don't you guys sort. have
0: noticed any weirdness like that? No,
2: I haven't. I haven't noticed it, but I haven't done anything like that.
0: Yeah. Are you running somewhere Mojave or I'm
2: still in Mojave. Yeah. 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 Because I realized that so so I basically I don't really play computer games, but there's like one or two games that I have I've had on my computer for years that I like to play yeah. every once in a while. Yeah. And they won't run on Catalina. I found out. Oh yeah, because yeah, they, yeah, they were never. I mean, that's how old they are. They were never built for 64-bit. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sort of trying to decide whether I'm ready to give up on those games from 10 years. Well, ago. this is the
0: same thing. Like, like I have. I I got the subscribe to the to the Photoshop CC. I found a way to get it for less money than than just getting a Photoshop subscription. Um, basically, what it was is I, I bought a hard drive and it came with with a copy of um, or like a, a license code for uh, what do they call Lightroom? I think there, is there their photo editing app yeah and the lightroom comes with a license of phot- Photoshop included as part of the subscription so I subscribe to that I think it's like 14 dollars a month which is like five or six dollars cheaper than Photoshop right and yeah so that's what I use and and um but I'd, I'd found out that I still have cs6 on my on my my uh, Mojave Mac right and you know it, it there are some weird UI glitches and things don't save properly and you know you kind of work around those sort of things because I mean we've been having bugs in Adobe software since Adobe was first created right Right. It was not not unusual, and um, but what I found out is is that on Catalina CSX won't won't even open. Right? Same with uh, the old Microsoft Office, like the was it 2011, which a lot of people still have. That won't open. That won't run. On, probably 32-bit, like, right? Yeah, yeah. Anything yeah. that has any part of it that's 32-bit will will not run. Like you just get you get the do not enter sign on it, right? And Apple's been warning us about this, right? Yep. So, yeah, so that's the day. I mean, that happened on the iPhones, too. Like, they just, like, I have a lot of apps on, I had a lot of apps on my phones that would just like you to open them and they go, this hasn't been updated, sorry. You know, it'd link you to the App Store, but there's like, of course, no update there to grab. Yeah. So the trials and tribulations of Tim not, not having enough disk space continue. Which is why I can't believe when people buy like Max with two fifty six gigs of space on them. Like like you're going to be sorry in like a week.
2: Well, unless you're just using it for email and web
0: browsing. Yeah, but as soon as you do anything like video editing or Photoshop or whatever, anything that oh. uses caching on your on the drive. Yeah, not everybody,
2: and- not everybody does that though.
0: No, but I also think I also think that that time machine is is a culprit too because I think what it does is you know it it does an incremental backup, but yep. where does it put the files that it's gonna that is planning to back like when it says preparing for backup? Yeah, I think it makes a copy of of whatever it's going to back up so that when it goes to write it, it's got, it's more
2: efficient. Oh, right? for sure, it's a, it's at least compressing the files somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So, so, it has to so save all I've got compressed files, and then, and yeah, that the question is, does it is it good about freeing that stuff up, or does it forget to free some stuff up?
0: Well, so, so I have two, I have two schemes here for for backing it because I back up to two, two separate drives because I don't believe any one backup is, is enough, right? So I have two Time Machine uh, network drives that I, I write to, and occasionally they'll say to me, you know, oh, backup failed, which means that one of the two backups failed. So I'm thinking that what happens is is it makes this this compressed archive, right, that's ready to back up, and then. The backup fails. So what does it do with the back with the, the compressed archive it's made? It hangs on to it for the next time it's going to try and run, right? Wouldn't you think? Maybe, yeah. That's an example, or or this containers uh, scheme that that uh, apps use to to um, you know like like I run BBEdit all the time, and I very rarely hit even save files. I mean, it's, I do save files, but I mean, they're like I use it as a scratch pad for code and things like that, right? And I just open it back up again, and all those files that I left open open up back up again because they're in they're in the containers, right? Mm-hmm. You remember when they added? I think it was right. Uh, I think, what was it, Yosemite, they added um, the container scheme. As sort of a you know that was a it's, I think Forestall was still around when they did the the he talked about them automatically backing up your files. Remember I feel that? like it might have been Lion um, or or Snow Leopard. Yeah, I feel yeah. like yeah, it was yeah Lion yeah, around as well. That yeah, but Forestall was around in twenty fourteen. So I,
2: I remember a lot of people really didn't like that because yeah, saving would well you couldn't you couldn't uh, you couldn't really make a copy of well you, you had to make a copy of things or, or yeah. what, what am I what am I thinking of yeah so it was yeah so what people used to do was You'd open something, you'd start editing it, and then save a copy of it. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the old yeah. flow, and then when, with this, as soon as you started editing, it was it was essentially saved in your original file. Oh yeah, yeah, which was kind of crazy.
0: Yeah, but you have a bazillion undos that way, though, right? That's so true. That's true. I'm I'm a bazillion undoer. Yeah, like I, I, yeah. That's what I like about Photoshop. I keep undoing until forever, right? And then I love I like running Git too, because I can almost just go and trash all my changes, right? Yeah. So I still have trouble with with the uh, Xcode 10 with the uh, not remembering not not using the helper application. Because the helper application must be Git in this case, right? Maybe, you see, you've moved on to 11, haven't you already?
2: I have, but what what's the issue you're talking about?
0: So what happens is is if, I, if I'm running Xcode for a while, and, and I always have a copy of it running somewhere, yeah. and I and I leave it for like 15, 20 minutes, an hour, let's say, right? Uh-huh. And I go back to the project, and I would, I'd make some more changes. yeah. It doesn't update the fact that I've made the changes, right? And then when I try and do either version, like look at the version viewer, like the, what do you call it, version? Yeah, show version editor, so you get the two side-by-sides, and uh, it won't load the right-hand side so because it'll say, like, an error will come up saying, can't load helper application. Oh, really? And, I've never seen and, that. And, and none of my files in the, in the Project Navigator get marked as, as being, you know, either modified or new, right? Huh. Um, and the only way around that is to quit Xcode and reopen it, right? But as soon as I quit Xcode, I lose all my undos, right? Yeah, it's just one of these weird little flaky things. And it's been a bug in, in uh, Xcode 10 and since the beta came out, right? So, huh. But apparently 11 fixes that. Um, all right. Yeah. So let's just dig in with some f- uh, follow-up here. Um. First thing was I, I saw this came out like, uh, of course, we took a week off last week, but this came out a couple of weeks ago that, uh, of course, this this month is Oktoberfest, Ho- as uh, as uh, Jaime pointed out. And um, there's a link here, which I'm waiting for it to load. For some reason, it's taking its time. Anyway, I'll just talk about it. There's a link here uh, posted by a gentleman whose name I can't read because it hasn't loaded yet. Is it loaded yet? No. What the hell's going on? that load for you guys yet?
2: Yeah, it did. Okay. So you can tell me the guy's name
0: uh, Anyway, so this is a, a Vladimir Klemenko. Sorry, what's his name?
2: Colum- so Vladimir Klemenko.
0: Vladimir Klemenko. I think he's in Canada because he talks about Seneca College, but he participated in Oktoberfest uh, last year. And so he's got a list of awesome projects for people to work on if you're still looking. If you're coming into Oktoberfest late and you want to uh, participate, he's got some uh, some projects you can look at to try and get your, your game on there. So, Jaime, are you doing any Oktoberfest stuff at all? Or
1: Yeah, it's going to have to be on my own. I'm nursing a cold, so I ended up having to miss uh, an event yesterday that would have been really oh, right. nice. I was, I was interested in seeing what Circle CI was all about and how they had their project set up, but I just didn't think it would be a good idea to go over there and you know, spread my illness to everybody. Spread the love, yeah, right,
0: yeah. Because well, so I'm I a little curious about it because I did sign up, and and uh, you give them access to your your GitHub account, I guess, right, to see what you've committed. Is that the idea?
1: Yeah, it, it's like a like an OAuth two type connect, right? Where you're saying like I I allow it to to do certain things. In this case, it's the permissions probably sound a little scary. It's really hard. It's really just like read what's happening, um, and in this case, it would be uh, they want to see that you've committed pull requests, right? Oh, I see. Poll- yeah,
0: because yeah. I actually was working on some code the other day, unrelated to this, and I and I pushed it up to GitHub and just to see what would happen. But then I realized I went. If you go to the Hacktoberfest uh, site, they talk about uh, if you've never done any open source programming or um, contributing, they go. There's some examples of ex- things you can do to try it out. But uh, which I, I'm going to have to go back and look at that if there's something I can jump in on.
1: Yeah, and just to clarify, because it might be confusing folks. For one, you do have to sign up through that uh, Hacktoberfest site; otherwise, it's it's not going to count. Um, and you also have to do pull requests. So if you're just, you know, doing commits to a branch or, you know, um, pushing directly to master, like that's, that's not going to count. It's definitely in the pull request sort of format, because that's pretty much what just about every major open source project uses as a, right, right. as a, a, you know, a sane way of handling changes coming from disparate sources.
0: I mean, it's very similar to like how you'd work on a large team if you're working in a large team, but it's kind of interesting, uh, interesting thing. Um so it's funny, uh. One of one of the uh, backup scripts I use on my um, on my websites. There was a um, gentleman who used to work at Rockspace. I don't know if he's still there anymore, but uh, he wrote a backup script that we use, and uh, it stopped working when they upgraded to the environment to PHP seven. So I went in and fixed it and made a pull request <laughs> and posted it. But I haven't, uh, you know, it's still sitting there waiting for for uh, someone to approve. But but I guess with with my pull request, there people could see what the changes I made were and, and uh, make their own changes, right? So, to get their scripts working. Already, uh, this is another older link uh, too that I posted here. From we were talking about uh, the uh, the checksum or checkmate uh, exploit that was uh, a jailbreaking um, uh, exploit that somebody discovered here, and it's interesting because it, there's a bit more detail in this particular posting here. If you're if you're curious, um, what's interesting about this is that it attacks the iOS boot ROM, which is like a read-only portion of the operating system, and um, so that's why they're saying it's not patchable by Apple because you know they can't change the boot ROMs, right? Um, so it's interesting here. This uh, gentleman named Axiom X, who or Axiom Ten? I don't know. X, you can never know when it's X or ten, if it's ten or X, right? Um, talks about how he hit, he uh, worked on, how he developed this, and um, there's a bit of a back and forth interview with these two guys from from Ars Technica, Dan, Good, Good, Dan, Dan Gooding from Ars Technica, Ars Technica, and this Axiom X guy uh, about uh, about how it works. So if you're curious about that, you can look at um, how this thing works. So I don't know if you guys have read the article. Yeah, I read
2: it, and uh, I guess I'm still not sure why it's a game changer after reading the article yeah
0: uh, no, and yeah you have to have physical access to the device right you know and it's, it's only in like,
2: memory you can't persist any changes right uh, so
0: I, I don't know so yeah you can unlock your phone for a minute and then you reboot it and it's no longer unlocked right right yeah silly. yeah I don't know but it, it's kind of funny how they I, it's also how they write the headlines the sort of what as we call clickbaity headlines to make right. it sound a little bit more threatening than it really is right right, right. you know yeah anyway like it, we'll post it there in, in the show notes for people if they want to if they're curious. Yep. Um, so we got another email from uh, Jerome Wells. Uh, he emailed us directly on our on our uh, web form, which proves we do read the email. By the way, uh, his Twitter handle is jrom, It's R O H M. J-A-I-R-R-O-H-M. And he talks about, uh, we were talking about fingers and the, the uh, holding up of fingers. And um, he said uh, in his email, I'll read it to you. It says uh, uh, about fingers. I was, I forget what movie it was. It was a World War movie from the 60s or 70s. A British spy was posing as a German officer and gave himself away by ordering two beers by holding up his index finger and middle fingers. In Germany, we count starting with the thumb. Wasn't that um, Inglorious Bastards?
2: Yeah, that was the same kind of thing. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. So. There yeah, might have been an earlier movie. Maybe, maybe Quentin Tarantino stole it. Be. Who knows? Be. Yeah, but he does that fiction. What do you call it? Fictional literature, where or historical fiction, where it's he retells the stories the way he wants them to end, right? So, well, thanks for the thanks for the email, and uh, there's your shout out. All right. Um, no, I think Jaime and I kind of argued about who was going to post this one first because I saw him tweeting about it on on Twitter, but I'm going to let him talk about it because he's the original one who brought it to the show. But, but uh, Domino's.
1: Yeah, this is follow up to that time we were talking about the um, Domino's Pizza versus. Uh, what's the individual's name, Uh, Guillermo Robles, a blind individual who was arguing that McDonald's, sorry, Domino's website needed to be uh, accessible to the visually impaired. And uh, I think we talked about it on that particular show, like, yeah. You know, um, it kind of seems like it does because everything's sort of moving online. And, and in my case, I've anecdotally, non-scientifically noticed that the, uh, the specials are different from the app and the website and calling and physically showing up at a store. So, um, it's not a case of there being, um, reasonable alternatives because you're really leaving people out, um, by, by not having an accessible site. Uh, and in this case, the, the Supreme Court, um, handed victory to, to folks who, uh, believe that things should be accessible, uh, in this case, more specifically, handing to victory by declining to review the case, which meant that the lower court's ruling uh, stands within the United States. Hmm. So, um, I think the, the the sort of counterpoint that I've heard from folks is a not unreasonable, in my opinion, concern that there will be a lot of um, ambulance chaser type lawyers going around, yeah. like, ah, oh, look, aha, you haven't, you know, made this accessible, now we're just going to sue, and get tons of money. Like, I'm not going to deny that there will be, you know, pred- practices that we'll try to find ways to use this. But I think in general this is a very good thing for the industry, for the community and as I've mentioned several times on the show, I think the more we can do to do with the platforms you know, um, you know Apple, Google, Microsoft and so forth, that they give you all of this sort of out of the box for free, mm-hmm. like use that and you'll generally be in pretty good shape. Right.
0: But well, that said, sometimes you do have to go in and tweak the accessibility as well.
1: Yeah, especially if you do anything custom- custom, right? Like the stuff you get out of the box pretty much works, you know, pretty, pretty brilliant as is. If you've got this, you know, fancy custom widget, you're, you're going to have to uh, do some extra work for that.
0: Yeah. yeah. I, I, I made one of my apps, an audio app. Um, I made it accessible a few years ago and I had to, I remember having to go in and make some specific tweaks to make sure it was understandable in terms of what it was doing. Right. Just so you know. Right. All right. And uh, so this one's under the category, one of Jaime's new famous categories is now how much would you pay? Uh, is it post by my friend Chris Ragner on Twitter um, and uh, he's the guy who got slapped with a fish or slapped with a fish and F- or RWW kind of his guess it is. Um, but uh, yeah he's talked about given all the subscriptions that Apple is doing iCloud storage music, Apple TV plus archive phone upgrade program. How much would you pay per year to get all the digital services, uh, so you'd have the current generation of iPhone, iPad, and Apple Watch? What do you think?
2: Yeah, I'm not sure that I would want to have a one price for everything, <laughs> uh, but I think bundling would be a good idea. You know, so say yeah, three true, of them true. cost five dollars a piece. If Apple let you take, if you get any three you want for thirteen dollars, that would be kind of a nice thing.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So this brings up to follow up on the arcade thing. I did. I did not renew my arcade trial, which just expired. Probably today, I think. So for those of you who want to follow up on Arcade, you're going to have to wait for Jaime to upgrade to iOS 13 to carry the torch.
1: I'm on iOS 13, but I'm waiting for <laughs> I'm waiting for that moment of like, all right, here are these games, or at least like one killer game that I just absolutely want to play, get my free yeah. trial, and then mm-hmm. from there it does end up being in a situation it's like, well, you know, yes it's another subscription to manage, but I can just sort of turn it on and off whenever I want. Yeah.
0: Is that that's what you do with
1: CBS, out? All access, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> in the uh, collect them all era that we're in, the Pokemon era of streaming services. Um, <laughs> I mean, un- unless you have like, you know, Taylor Swift money, like I don't think it's reasonable to have all of these subscriptions running at the same time. I think you're going to have mm-hmm. to pick and choose, which uh, to my mind means like as people are providing hands and people are providing uh, software services at subscription, it means we have to find um, fight really hard for, you know, proving value. Um certainly I am looking at that myself of like, you know, what am I subscribing to as an example? I am on the looks like ninety-nine cents per month um iCloud storage plan, um, you know, for like two dollars more per month. Could go up to two hundred gig, but I'm I'm doing pretty good on my storage right now. I don't keep a lot of stuff mm. there. Um so I would be interested in seeing you know, to this example, um iCloud storage being rolled into some other um bundle because it, it feels like a really high markup for you know, storage being effectively, you know, pennies, right? So, yeah, like, well, you know, it, you it, know. It,
2: it, it, since this is including a, a current generation phone, it really wouldn't hurt Apple at all to just like add $10 to the price of the phone and give you a year of cloud storage for, for quote free.
1: Mm, true. Yeah. I mean, um, if you're going to take those, you know, big, beautiful photos with the fancy pants, you know, trypophobic uh, lenses, it, those are going to be huge files, right? And why not just have people not even consider like, oh, you know, what am I going to do? Do I have to delete? I have to move it elsewhere? It's like, eh, let's just put it in iCloud. And it's, it's just there forever. Um,
0: well, I was, I was pushing up against the wall with my, my iCloud account, and I, I realized that I was still carrying around a bunch of videos that I'd made at concerts and stuff like that, right? And so I just backed them up to it uh, and took them off iCloud and reduced my account yeah. size, right? So the so videos take up a lot of more space than photos. I've got photos going back. I think I have sixteen thousand photos on my phone, and yeah. uh, they don't take up much much space. I mean, and, and
2: even up- just
1: look at the, the markup specific to iCloud. So in my case, fifty gigs, ninety nine cents a month. Now for five times that amount, you know, five dollars, I could get damn near anything I want on Apple Arcade, or for five dollars per month, so you know, five times what the the iCloud rate is you know, we've we've sort of chuckled a little bit at like, oh, what's going to be there at launch for Apple TV Plus? But guess what? Like, I'm pretty sure that feels, uh, whether it's right or not, um, it might be illogical, but it feels like Apple TV Plus is a much better value at five times the amount than the 99 cents per month 50 gigs iCloud storage. Hmm. Just given, like, the fractional pennies it costs Apple to have that 50 gigs up there. You know what I mean? Like, it, it when I step back and think about it from a more logical perspective, it's like, well, I'd rather not lose my data. So, yes, please, I guess I'll Pay that. Yeah, but it, it yeah. seems more like, well, you know, the. Like- it's like having you know paying for air in like a spaceballs esque sort of way. Yeah,
0: but it, it's the golden handcuff for sure, right? Like you know you, you need it and you, you have no choice but to pay it. Uh, yeah,
1: but yeah. like if they said, all right, so um, uh, Apple TV Plus and um, Apple Arcade are you know independently, if you were to buy them separately, it'd be like ten dollars per month. But I'll mm-hmm. tell you what, if you subscribe to both together, so not just one or the other, you subscribe to both, we will give you the uh, the same amount of iCloud. Storage for free. I mean it's effectively only like quote unquote a dollar savings in my part, but I'd be like, oh cool, that feels good. Feels like I should get it for free. And now I'm more inclined to continue to give them my you know five dollars a month times two, and it doesn't feel like oh, you know, what am I have to pick and choose? Like it's kind of all inclusive.
2: Yeah. Cool. I'm just amused to know that the apparently the richest person that Jaime can think of off the top of his head is Taylor Swift. (laughs) (laughs) I mean (laughs) I try to use
1: different ones. use Kanye West and Justin Bieber and Kim Kardashian a lot. Yeah. <laughs> My yeah. brain was struggling. I mean, do we want to go the, uh, the Bill Gates and Bezos route? Um, that uh, Mexican dude who has that telecom who pops up to number one every once in a while, depending on how the market goes. Like, Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, I was, I was kind of wondering myself whether uh, Apple's actually using AWS for storage, right? Like everybody else.
1: I, I'd yeah. have to imagine it's a mix. I, we, we've seen that they do use um, Azure-based stuff here and there. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised they have stuff in their own data centers. It's probably a, a mix depending on what they're trying to do.
0: Yeah. And you, you have to admit this is an iOS pro- podcast. And we, do, you know, Taylor Swift does come up a lot in our searches too. Too, right or google searches maybe Indeed. yours <laughs>
2: <laughs> what's that said <So> maybe yours <laughs> yeah she <did. laughs> does. yeah well
0: that's all those those links i clicked on in the earlier episodes Wait, right right
1: yeah now yeah. we know why tim suddenly you know has all this space it's like what you have been saving <laughs> what's taking <to get> <laughs> all the disk space yeah shake it off buddy
0: all right um Haters going to hate, man. Anyway, so uh, right. the next story is uh, kind of an evergreen story, but we'll talk about it anyway. So a friend of mine runs a company called At Your Server. He's a um, Mac OS service guy. Uh, he actually does training. He's one of the trainers who teaches, you know, if you're doing the uh, certification courses. But his name is Zvon. Uh, oh, we just call him Zvon. And uh, he's written an article here on what the T2 chip does for your Mac. It's more of a uh, informational thing for his, his uh, customers and things, things like that and people who are curious. But it's an interesting uh, sort of take on, um, you know, everything you ever wanted to know about the uh, T2 chip but didn't know. Like, for, I don't know if you know about Secure Boot. You can actually turn on full security when you're booting. Um, you can, uh, using the T2 chip, you can block uh, people from, you know, formatting the drive and running, you know, recovery on it. Um, it sort of, it securely boots the system up, you know, using SIP and things like that. But one thing I didn't know, uh, at the very bottom here, he has got a, a paragraph called Mic Drop, and and apparently when the t when the Mac is locked by the T2 chip, the microphone is all also locked. It's basically disconnected from the hardware. So when it's disabled, when the lid is closed, right? So you know the old stories about you know people spying on your Mac and stuff like that. The T2 chip is another level of, of uh, protection. And of course, we talk about the T2 chip as in this real, because it brought Touch ID to the Mac, right? Which is, if you're a big user of 1Password like I am, you're touch having Touch ID on the Mac is a, is a godsend because otherwise you have to enter that password in all day long sort of thing, right? Um, yeah, so interesting. I don't know if you guys have read it, but you know, it talked about how crypto and uh, all the stuff works with the SSD controllers and things like that. So it's a short read, probably like a five, 10 minute read. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're curious
1: about uh, YouTube. Nice. It. It's pretty interesting. Does it, scanning here really quick. So it doesn't impact the camera because that would be like a next logical thing you would want, right? Well, the lid's
0: closed. So the camera's facing like, the trackpad,
1: right? Uh, sure. Um, but I'd also <laughs> wouldn't want the camera doing stuff while, you know, the, the device is locked, you what, know, and still what open. What could it do? I don't oh, know, yeah, record stuff? Yeah. So, stuff?
2: You, yeah. so you, I mean, you're saying it should it should do the next thing if the if the say a screensaver is showing, so you're right, locked, right. so you're so you're not actively using, it should turn off the microphone and the camera.
1: Yeah, that would be for good that yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, in my case, I've, I've got an office area that's separate from my bedroom, but you know, not everybody does. And if your laptop is facing toward your bed, you wouldn't want people surreptitiously snooping on you. Not that I yeah. would, you know, in my office, but the risk level I think is different. So if it's gone into a screensaver or you know locked screen. Mode, I sure would appreciate it. Also, disabling the camera. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, it's interesting. Here he's talking about how the uh, there's a couple of uh, the secure boot also also uh, enables uh, Windows 10 to work on the Apple Boot Camp technology. That's one exception from that, uh, which means and you can't boot from uh, uh, Linux on uh, in Boot Camp on this in this uh, case, right? So I was a little concerned about you know because it does real time encryption of of your data on the drive. Um, what happens if you have to swap the drive out into another machine? Is it like the that phone, that famous San Bernardino phone, they couldn't get into because the, the guy had used Touch ID on his uh, his drive on, on the phone,
1: right? Um, which, which got us into a really interesting discussion, and it, it's still kind of unresolved, right? About um, encryption as both a, a factor for you know privacy um, mm-hmm. and the sort of balance with the rule of law. Um, I don't think. Well, we we ever... And
0: you and I also both had that experience when we migrated to iPhone X because um, I think we had turned encryption on on our backups, and we tried to upgrade, we had trouble. Remember? Yeah. (laughs) Encryption was so good, it
1: kept me out of my own stuff, right? Yeah.
0: So so I had to do a backup with encryption turned off in order to load up my data on my new phone. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Anyway, just a quick little read there from Zvon on... um, on the T2 chip. All right, so... Oh, last thing here I've got in the follow-up is is the old... We're going to go back to the mix panel. And when I posted this uh, chart, it was probably a week ago, I think. Um, that was when iOS 13 had just uh, was just catching up to iOS 12, but now it's well above... Uh, at this point in time, as we record on uh, October 16th, uh, Mac adoption... IOS, iOS 13 adoption rate is at 57%, and iOS 12 is at 37%. So it's already... In the time that we took off last week we've um iOS 13 has surpassed ios 12 according to mix panel
1: yeah if you if you bump it out um 30 days to see when oh, ios okay. 13 came out you can sort of see what in my mind looks like people waiting for 13.1 so right it climbs right. up okay and it levels out around yeah. the 30th and then it like picks up as people like yeah like 13.1's good like <laughs> fixes problems go get it and people pick it up in a more rapid clip
0: it's funny like uh we're hearing um a lot of people like like mark are saying i don't want to upgrade to Catalina, or there's a lot of advice out there in articles saying don't upgrade to Catalina, um, and then there's also people saying don't upgrade to iOS 13 necessarily, right? And so, Like you said, until you get to 13.1, 13, right? Um, you know, but if you're going to work in, if you want to work with, you know, Swift UI and you want to have the, the Canvas running on your Mac, you really don't have much choice, right? It's
1: true. It's it's tough, so I've decided not to upgrade to Catalina yet. I'm waiting for at least one more uh, bug fix cycle so they can clean up. Well there of is that trick I
0: told you about. You can have you can create a separate another partition, an APFS partition on your drive. Install Catalina on that, and then you can option boot into Catalina. And you can you can there's a way of telling your Mac to use the same home folder as your existing data now, so you don't have to worry about moving your your, your, your um, data around or, or duplicating it. And you can switch back and forth between Mojave and Catalina so if you wanted. To Try out, you know, Swift UI with the you know, the fancy new hotness. Um, you can, right?
1: Yeah, fair, fair point. In, in my case, um, I would like to use the new uh, reminders setup, but since that does yep. things in iCloud and it, it warns you pretty, pretty nicely, it says like, yeah, by the way, yeah. uh, you have to have all your devices updated otherwise bad things happen and I'm like oh well that's I'm updated true, yeah, to yeah. iOS 13 yeah. on my iPhone and my iPad but gonna have to wait for the new Reminders hotness until I'm ready to move to Catalina
0: that's true yeah you're right because I did, I did notice that when like, I haven't I haven't pushed that button yet myself because I still have my other devices you know running various flavors of, of OS right I think most of mine well no I got the one Mac is running uh, Mojave still so I'm still in, I'm in a wait and see on that one too because I haven't decided what to do about my, my Photoshop situation and stuff so you crossed out this one article here, Jaime?
1: Yeah, because I hadn't noticed the um, the article like right above. Technically, not in the same section, so you know it's a little bit more separated. But in this case, The Verge is saying you're on fifty percent after three weeks. Feel like the truth is somewhere in between. We're taking the best pulse. Uh, what do we say, sixty percent for mixed panel?
0: Oh, okay. is yeah,
1: yeah. what's being it's said here. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, you know, it's 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 pretty solidly okay. I mean, considering the the scare that you see online, like oh god, you know, thirteen sucks. <laughs> Don't install it yeah. for the love of God. Wait. 13.1 at the very least, really? um, mm. for having a, a sort of an active campaign against it is doing pretty good, which in this yeah. case, they're they're comparing to the continued sadness of um, Android version updates. Android 9 pi oh, like here a year later, is on 10.4%. I mean, wow. uh, we can talk about whether this is faster or slower for iOS 13 versus 12 versus 11, but really, I mean, after less than a month, half of all devices are already there. Like, it, it's hard to complain about that. More in half. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I, I find I find it's okay. I mean, I, I you know, I mind you, I've been using it for months because I, I've been using it since June on the beta, right? So, but yeah, it's uh, pretty good.
1: Yeah, there's you know, I, I think what it is is that there's a lot of tiny little rough edges around the operating yeah. system, and people's experiences with it will uh, vary based on do you happen to have a use case that hits the rough edge, right? Um, for most of the yeah. time, like I don't run into um, any of these sharp edges except for two that come up enough to. To sort of bother me, so one is um, trying to open something from, let's say, like like an app. You have uh, you're viewing content that's in Safari View Controller. I'm like, oh, I kind of want to open this in in you know real Safari, right? Yeah. And do some other stuff, you know, maybe multitask or something. Um, mm-hmm. I'd have to say it's like one third of the time it opens up a blank tab that says, "Sorry, this tab crashed." <laughs> Why? Really? <laughs> you wow. had All the content just reloaded for god's sakes. Um, wow. it, like enough that I'm like, what in the world happening there. Like, it, it, that's more of a minor irritant. The the one that has me uh, sometimes in, you know, a fit of rage is the mail app for iOS it is just awful at synchronizing now. Like, it just doesn't understand um, how to synchronize differences between my iPad and my iPhone. And it's driving really? bananas. Like, 12, you know, was kind of sucky, but at least it worked, right? It, it was slow. It would take forever to sync, but it would just sort of quietly, um, solidly vanilla do its job uh, and in 13 it's like what what happened that did, did, did they rewrite it did they have the interns do it like it sucks yeah. like i hate to call it out so much but it was like this is unacceptable like this
0: now, i got i haven't really noticed too much problem with the syncing part but what i think it's interesting that like, there is a cool little animation that the ipad does where it it's kind of scrolls really quickly as it's as it's syncing have you noticed that there's like an animation that they've added to it just on the ipad right just, i, guess I is a haven't noticed iPad. that
1: and and in this case i tend to use a lot uh the the syncing i'm talking about is largely around um synchronizing of uh starring or flagging yeah the, yeah, yeah. Uh, i know what you mean thing. like it's not necessarily like i'm seeing different um different emails in one versus the other at least it gets that but the synchronization yeah. of the you know priority state it, it's just like you know i'll triage a whole bunch of things on my iphone I'll go to my ipad i'm like why are these all still here? They should be unflagged yeah.
0: now. That's what I mean? I, 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 maybe it's your mail server because I because I don't I haven't noticed that. My big problems with with um, iOS thirteen is I miss the force touch right. Mm-hmm. I, I you know got used to having that, and text selection is still it's it's horrible. Yeah, like, I do a lot like of copy selection. and pasting. Right. Uh,
2: yeah, I've noticed that as well.
0: And trying to get the like I've I've discovered there's a shortcut in, in if you have the, the tech the keyboard open. If you hold the space bar down, you can you can navigate with the cursor, right? But you know, I miss being able to put my finger on the screen and just sort of like, you know, put the cursor where I want it to go. And then they took the little bubble out that shows you where you're putting your finger, right? Um, which was nice. But but now it's kind of like you put your finger down and, did I get it? No. Gotta put it down again, nope, did I get it? No. And then and then I go, Okay, fine, I'll use the space bar and already too many steps, right? So and I think copying copying and pasting is is some Sometimes not very intuitive. Like I'll copy something and I'll go to the other app to paste it and it'll, it'll just paste in some blank space, you know, like, mm. yeah, just annoying. And then that's sh- the, the new action sheet thing that they've got in here. I don't know if you looked at We talked about that last week, you and I, or two weeks ago, Mark, you and I, um, it's it's just, it's it's blown out of proportion. It's got too many things in there. I, I, maybe it's the shortcut people have got in there and thrown a whole bunch of things. It's like, a, you know, you go to the kitchen drawer and you open up the thing, open the drawer and there's like all this stuff and you're just, you can't find the thing you're looking for. That's how it feels, right? Yeah. Very disjointed
1: experience. You know, I, I had that feeling myself when I first started using it. I had yeah. an extreme like, oh, God, I look, I had the baby <laughs> bells over here and the Limburger was in that spot. Like I fully had yeah. a who moved my damn cheese moment. <laughs> yeah. But in, in yeah. subsequent, you know, weeks, I'm like, you know, it's, it's, it's different, but it's pretty good. I'm like, yeah, I do yeah. frequently send content to these folks. Um, you know, it's not an unreasonable thing to show the, not just, you know, uh, the messages app, you know, in general, but like message this person or this group of people. I'm like, yeah, yeah
0: that, that's just shortcut. shortcut's it. nice. Yeah. 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 And,
1: and then, the sort of, you know, vertical scrolling stack of things like, you know, clips or sharing to Facebook or Twitter or something, like, or notes. I'm like, yeah, that's, that works pretty good, too, because I never really found it too intuitive to move sort of left and right on these tiny little horizontal strips to try to get the other mm-hmm. app stuff. Mm-hmm. But it, it was just so jarringly different that it did have a, like, ugh moment in and, and subsequent weeks. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's it's pretty good. I like it.
0: Yeah, I mean, and there's, like, a ton of, like, I just, I just opened up a page in Safari. It depends on the app, though, because it changes context, right? But, uh, you know, you got the copy thing. Just, it just appears above the fold there. And then you've got, you know, reading lists and open and browser, depending on where you are, right? Um, and all these different things that you can you can sort of do with it, like print or markup. or It's just like, again, it's like opening a big, giant kitchen drawer of stuff. And I, I maybe it'll take a while for us to get used to it. Or, and sometimes I find I have to go and edit the apps that, are, that appear in that top, the second row, right? Because the stuff I don't want is, like, a lot of times I'll post things to Twitter or Facebook, and yet they, they don't seem to be options in a lot of these. Share sheets, right? So it's it's just annoying. But but the text selection, don't get me started on that. that We'll have a whole show on text selection on iOS 13. All right. Well, moving on. Let's talk about this fourteen-year-old designer guy who uh, managed to get himself into the arcade or apps that are being released. Right. So, did you guys have a look at this article?
1: Hadn't seen the article, but I had seen positive buzz for this um, operator forty-one.
0: Yeah, he's uh, he's like a, he's fourteen now, but when he was twelve or, or younger, he won a bunch of contests in in uh, in Britain. He entered this uh, YGD, I guess, a young game developer contest, um, and he was one of the winners there. He also uh, got a scholarship to go to wwdc and hang out with you know other 350 other students um or meet meet mr cook and things so he kind of had a leg up in that sense but yeah it's it's interesting to see that this operate 41 uh app uh by his name is spruce campbell right is that spruce um yeah so interesting story there about a young guy
1: yeah for those who uh, haven't seen this particular game it is uh similar in style to the what was it tim it was like Lara croft tomb raider go um, yeah yeah there's a hitman game that has a similar uh, actually there's a john wick game i think that came out that's similar ish hmm. where you're playing in a and in an isometric mode and it's sort of half action half puzzle game right it's probably yeah. the best way of describing it
0: yeah monument valley is like this too where you, you have like a grid and you kind of walk along the grid you, you tap where you want the guy to go and he goes there
1: right so there's there's some aspect of of timing but also uh it moves sort of slow enough to be strategy and not just you know mash the buttons kind of, mm-hmm. kind of adventure mm-hmm. a little story and
0: anyway, will have that in the show notes for people to have a look at. All right. It's all me. It's all me. So yeah. This is another, a couple of new things here. Um, uh, Spotify is now available um, on iOS 13. You can, you can ask Siri to hook up with Spotify. So I, this is, there seems to be a lot of cross um, pollination, I guess you want to call it with between uh, apps these days. I've now got Apple or Apple music installed on my Alexa. Um, what do you call that? Go, um, Amazon echo. But mm-hmm. so now we can say, you know, play this on Apple music and, and it'll fire up Apple music as we, the default app we were using before was Spotify, right? But now you can, you have access to your app. If you have an Apple Music subscription like we do, you can now play along with your, your content on your Alexa. But here, in this case, here, it's uh, on the Apple side now that, um, Spotify is available on iOS 13 through Siri and Spotify is also coming out with an Apple TV app. So that's kind of cool. Now, how, how much would you pay, Jaime?
1: <laughs> Nothing because I'm a free <laughs> Spotify user. Yeah. And Spotify I, is free. I honestly don't really use it because I, I pay money for Apple Music. Yeah. Getting, getting back to the bundling idea, right? Um, and it's interesting how all of these barriers are falling down as people are like, the only way we can make more money is to be on more platforms. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about this sort of thing. Um, I don't have any illusions that, uh, wow, wouldn't it be great if Apple had uh, the Messages app available and other platforms? Like, I'm sure it would, but I can't see them giving up that huge advantage. So mm-hmm. I think it will be a blended sort of answer for the, the foreseeable future.
0: Yeah. Well, so it's interesting on this, article that got posted from 9 to 5, this article about uh, um, Spotify coming to, uh, working with Siri, there's a video on the same page. It says 200 plus iOS 13 features. I didn't know there were 200 plus things that they've added to iOS 13, so we'll have to look at that another time. That's cool. Yeah, and I was, uh, I was always sort yeah.
1: of semi-suspicious that this wasn't available from the get-go. It, it sort of felt like um, not the most difficult technical problem compared to the other things that they enabled for for Siri. Like, it was a play that this thing, like you kind of have a hint there that it's music content or video content. And yes, you yeah. have to figure out what to do. But it's not like, oh, what did the user want? Did, did they want to turn on a bathroom light, you know, and, and have their garage door open at the same time? I mean, like that's that's a complicated thing, right? And right. Uh, things like you know, you know, get me an Uber or a Rideshare or a Lyft or something to go from here to there. Like that all sounds wickedly complicated, other than play. Cool. We've heard the word play, we know it's it's content. Awesome. Take the rest of the words that they say and just flip. And get into, you know, Bing or Google search or something and whatever comes up with the first result, play that. Like, it, 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 I, I half joke, it's obviously more complicated than that. Um, sometimes it seems like it's not as complicated as that, just seeing how Siri will wildly misunderstand what I'm saying sometimes. Um, <laughs> but it always did strike me as like, this feels like a weirdo um, business decision to maintain a competitive advantage. And now uh, notably, you know, some amount of time after Spotify is like, hey, governments, they're looking at antitrust stuff. Go take a look at what Apple's Doing and how we can't integrate this way and
0: right, surprise, right.
1: surprise, this uh, this capability comes out. Not complaining yeah, no, about it being me, here, right. but just sort of being upfront with like, I kind of wish this was there to begin with because it seemed like a really obvious thing of like, I want to ask Siri, my assistant, to play content that I have available anywhere. Right? Should be able to say, hey, you know, play you know Star Trek Discovery on CBS All Access. Cool, go do it. You know how to do it. There's only a handful of those. It's, uh, it, it, it just feels like the right thing. You know, if they're not going to do it themselves, at least make it available for people to plug into that. I think is the the thing I wanted. Right, either either do it for us or, or give us the the capability of doing it.
2: I wonder if this was part of the uh, agreement that Apple and Spotify must have made to make all those legal issues go away a few months back. <laughs>
1: right. Probably. I mean, cynically, idea. it certainly feels like it.
2: Yeah. What legal issues were those? Remember, Spotify was suing Apple oh, over right. something over the right. over the uh, was it well, I, I, over the thirty percent thing?
1: Right. Oh yeah. It's sort oh, of multi-fold, right. right? It was like right. oh, we don't want to pay this enormous cut because it puts us at a pricing disadvantage to your apple music as an example but in addition we also can't add features that your own software can do right
2: right mm-hmm. so it's sort of what that all sort of went away uh kind of quietly i think or maybe i just didn't notice it didn't hear about it went away but but it's it's certainly possible that apple and spotify just made a deal uh to you know to just put the issues behind them and and one of the things in the deal was that apple opened this up
0: so i'm curious can you ask siri to play something on youtube
1: i don't think that would i don't know work as well well actually, I wonder if it Unless would. That, requires, the, that would require a handshake with Google, wouldn't it? Well, the Apple TV, you know, there's a YouTube app for that, right? So yeah, sure. could that's hypothetically true. figure it out there.
0: See, this is the thing, like, like, like I have the Samsung TV right now and it's got Amazon Prime on it. It's got Crave, which is a service in Canada. It's got regular channel TVs and it's got my Apple TV on it. Right. And it would be nice if I could just say, play Jessica Jones and not have to worry about where it's coming from. When you think like, can you, can you just say play the Beatles and, and, then Siri would decide between Apple Music and, and Spotify whichever was the more convenient one right like i'm like i'm sure you probably have to say play the beatles on spotify to siri right
2: right it explicitly says in the article that you have to do that
0: yeah you have to say it on on spotify
1: yeah yeah, yeah.
2: Hmm.
0: cuz we have an yeah. iTunes radio too we listen to, to our regular radio stations on iTunes here uh, iTunes iTunes yeah iTunes the app no sorry tune in radio tune in radio and um so we say like you know play you know cbc and it'll say oh playing cbc on tune in radio. You know, of course, I have no idea what Apple Apple Home device does. I may, I
1: may uh, the the Home Well, okay. So, granted, I pay for Apple Music, so if, like odds are pretty good that any music I would ever want to listen to is on Apple Music. Yeah. Um, the the parallel I can think of is I don't have the um, Amazon Prime music, and so if I you know just say do okay, you have Amazon you know, Prime? Do you have Amazon Prime? Uh, it gets complicated because I'm in a Prime household, but I'm not the uh, the main Primary household user. member. right I'm like no. in a subordinate. Um, user account wow. so maybe the maybe the prime account has it but um the, just for the, the sake of argument let's pretend there's like reasons right here right because it, it's i don't know the exact reasons but it's, it practically breaks down like this so i say oh you know play um you know play some prince music and I say okay sorry like you know you don't have this available on amazon music so we're playing um this similar station from iHeartRadio, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a pretty reasonable backup. It didn't just like, womp, womp, sucks to be you. It didn't have what you wanted. Um, I think the you know context is for kings here, where to your point, it, it really should just play off of the most reasonable thing
0: seamlessly or
1: maybe ask you when you're first setting up like you know what's your preferred method you know when you say you want me to play music do you want me to use the home pod do you want me to use the apple tv uh or you know just pick one that's fairly reasonable given context like you know where is my apple watch in relation to these things because i'm probably if i'm wearing it right like i'm probably closer to something that would be reasonable um or push something to the phone it's like cool you know we're playing this you know prince album on your home Pod, do you like using that as your sort of main audio method or do you want to use something different uh, for the next time? You know, I, I think there's more that can be added to this, you know, both more sort of you know, magic of like, just, just get out of my way, just, just do something halfway reasonable and also give me some sort of way to adjust when it turns out that, yeah, you know what, I actually wanted to play um, in the laundry room because I'm going to be doing laundry. So even though mm-hmm. I would normally be in the living room and listening, but in this case, I've got a focused task. I just want to move the audio
2: over there. Right.
0: Right. Okay. Um, so, uh, well, yeah. So our next article here is, is uh, from, it's called Three Letter Acronym, Moving to Catalyst, and it's uh, from James Thompson. And he talks about uh, how he um, moved his uh, two apps. He's got PCALC, of course, and he's got uh, his new Dice Roller game that he's been uh, working with in various various OSs. He uh, talks about how um, it really was pretty much just click a checkbox to get uh, your iPad app running on the Mac OS um, he does say in in the article that uh, it, it's not doesn't quite feel right as a mac app goes um, he's a mac developer as well as an iOS developer but uh, it, he says it does do its thing the whole app does work just like it does on the iPad popovers and all that kind of stuff uh, work and uh, he tried his um, his little uh, dice dice by pcalc app um, and uh, less in, it's a less involved app uh, but yeah that was another one it um, still functions fine right so and he says here he shipped it in one day on day one so they're not 100 happy with it though but yeah it's uh, pretty straightforward so if you're interested in the journey you can have a look at the, how he uh, converted his apps to catalyst
1: yeah i'm, I'm kind of curious how this technology sort of plays out in the long term whether it ends up being sort of just a, a bridging technology for the mm-hmm. short while um as we ultimately all end up moving to swift ui mm-hmm. um i don't know what that means in terms of you know dealing with the the very strong platform differences as he mentions here you know making something feel like a Mac app is different than making it feel like an iOS or, or iPadOS app. Um, right. I don't. I don't know what will be fully involved with that, but I do. I do sort of suspect that Catalyst will be um, similar to to Carbon, where it's you know it's really important that it's there, um, but it's not going to be long term the thing you're going to be using to um, sort of seamlessly be where you want to be across all of Apple's platforms.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. I misspoke his title. It's actually catalytic converter, which I guess is a pun too. Right.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> All right.
0: Um, and lastly, you've got the last article here, I mean,
1: Yeah. Speaking of the barriers breaking down, um, the Apple TV app is available for Roku devices. Mm. And I, I checked. I did not install it because I'm like, well, no point in doing that until, you know, I subscribe to Apple TV Plus, um, mm. uh, it, at least from the screenshots that it shows uh, on the preview for this new uh, app channel. It looks to my eyes kind of a lot like the Apple TV um, user interface, which is nice. It's nice to see mm. them, put the effort... Now, do you actually that. Use Roku. I do.
2: So we were just talking about this at lunch the other day, trying to understand why why do people still use Roku these days? So what what is what is the value proposition of it as opposed to any of the other services?
1: Yeah, that has changed over time. I think if people rewind way way back in the um, in the history of this podcast, you'll distinctly hear me say um, there are two areas that were big concerns for me. Sort of the minor one was I wasn't sure if Crunchyroll was available on the Apple TV at that time. I'm pretty sure it does now. I'm pretty sure I've heard people talk about uh, accessing uh, all their animes, the Japanimation animation stuff on uh, on the Apple TV. So that's mm-hmm. resolved as an issue. Uh, the other one was the big sticking point for me, which was Amazon Video when Apple was fighting Amazon for like a year or two. Um, it was around that time I was like, well, I'm upgrading. Um, I absolutely need Amazon Video because it's you know part of my lifestyle. So Apple TV for my case lost out because I had everything I wanted on on uh, the Roku sort of a, a, as a platform and I specifically didn't need a um, a place to uh, do airplay, right? That just wasn't part of my my home personal life. Um, nowadays, uh, with, you know, Amazon's video app available on Apple TV, I'd be hard struck to choose the Roku over the Apple TV um Unless, you know, people really just had problems with uh, frustrations over the Apple TV UI, whether you're talking about, um, you know, the operating system UI or the remote UI. I I do think the the remote for the Roku is just brilliant. Like you can, in the dark, tell which orientation it's in and hit buttons without accidentally tapping the wrong thing. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, the, the short of it is like now I think it will be harder for the Roku to shine, except for the fact that it will just clearly always be cheaper than the Apple TV. Right. So as a consideration okay?
0: Interesting. Well, a lot of TVs come with Roku. Like, I bought a TV from my mother and it came with a Roku built in, so yeah. And I found I bought one at a garage sale for like five bucks a couple of months ago. <laughs> and yeah, they're, they're
1: sort of the there. uh like ultimate neutral party when it comes to this because they um they make their money in, in other ways, like you know, agreements to be on uh TV platforms and stuff. So,
0: mm. do you pay like per month for a subscription or is it free?
1: Um, well, you you just buy the device itself, and they actually do have free content. There's the Roku channel that will have like
0: yeah.
1: old videos that I'm pretty sure are supported by um, advertisements, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you just like that's all you have to pay for. Everything else is you know you, you know do you subscribe to Netflix? Do you subscribe to you know Apple TV Plus? And then you you know log in through your um, through your account, and I do believe that Roku is doing what a lot of these different companies like Apple and Amazon are doing of like you know have your one account that you log into, and then you pay for other channels through them as an aggregator. Mm-hmm. That makes sense to, to folks. So it's, it's it's sort of going from sort of all different directions for them as to how they are they are making money. Um, they're doing pretty good. I think they're like twenty five to thirty percent of the market, from what I recall. Um, yeah,
2: they, we we're they make- kind of surprised to see their market cap was something like fifteen. Billion dollars, they're they're actually quite a large company.
1: Well, that, that's insane. Yeah, yeah. wow, yeah, it, it, it's it's a really good, quietly solid device. Um, they make uh, sticks like the Fire TV type stick. You know, that's like twenty, thirty dollars, and take it with you to like a hotel when you're traveling, sort of thing. They make uh, sort of different sort of hockey pucks of varying degrees of like how fancy do you want it, sort of thing. You know, do you want 4K UHD or do you kind of want just sort of like a normal, you know, mid range box, and then if, as Tim noted they also have the integrations into the um, smart TVs themselves, which is not something that I personally am super comfortable with. Just given how long TVs tend to live and how yeah. <laughs> how short the life is of software, like I'd rather just have a dumb monitor, so to speak, and the smart connected device connected. To it, but you know, it's fine. Yeah.
0: Well, I also wanted too. Maybe it's maybe it's more popular overseas too, right? Is it an American company or
1: Roku? I believe is an American company. Um, as a despite its Name being you know Japanese in origin um, the number six it is something that spun out of netflix when somebody there was like hey i really want to make this streaming box
2: right right yeah they're located yeah. right around here they've just built a big big new building hmm. interesting all right yeah. well i
0: guess we're at the pick portion of our show so i got a couple of picks here to start off with uh, the first one is uh called a swift ui kickstart again coming back to the idea of swift ui uh this is written by daniel steinberg um i stumbled across it because he for his birthday he was offering it at like a discounted price so i grabbed a copy of it i'm about you know two two thirds the way through it. What I really like about Daniel Steinberg's writing style is he has a way of writing and speaking and presenting that takes a lot of the mystery out of what what uh, Apple's doing. Um, he seems to have sort of a, a interesting um, perspective on where Apple's going with the stuff that they're doing. Um, if you've ever had a chance to see him speak in live, speak live about something, that's sort of the gist of what he talks about. Because um, he reason, reasons about um, why thing, the way things work and, and where he thinks that, the, that they're going in the future Um, but I I really like his style because it it, it very clearly explains a lot of interesting things uh, concepts that may be a little harder to grasp at first but uh, he kind of puts it uh, at ease it's been a few weeks since I looked at the book but uh, there were a couple of examples I remember that stood out and I hadn't thought about it that way and it was a really interesting read so I recommend the UI Kickstart quick UI Kickstart by Daniel Steinberg first of all and my second pick is uh, basically Move the Dial is a program that started here I think in in Canada Um, I'll I'll put a link in the show to the lady who started it, but uh, it's about um, women in technology—a movement um, to try and get uh, more uh, women in higher positions in corporations and companies, and as well women in technology. Um, and it's surprising when you look at the like if you look at uh, from from zero to one hundred in terms of the dial, um, how far or what percentage of women are in high tech positions or in tech positions in general. It's around nine percent, and so. So if you're out there and you're either you know of the if you identify as a woman or you're a male and you uh, fancy yourself as a mentor, someone who's willing to help, this the uh, the movement. Um, the, as her point point in one of her videos I saw the other day uh, said that um, the dial doesn't move by itself, so uh, it's going to take a lot of effort to get uh, get that dial to move way beyond where it is a surprisingly low number. So and they had a they had, I was at a talk the other day at, uh, at the company where we had the um, head of marketing from Uber Canada was there talking about her her role, um, you know, previously at Oracle and, and working around and a few people, that, a few executives here at TD um, Bank that were presenting, and um, one from Accenture. So, yeah, interesting stuff. So, um, yeah, definitely, definitely check out Move to Dial if you're in that. If you're supportive of women in technology, and so over to you, Mark. You got something for us?
2: Yeah. So, one thing that that uh, all of us as, as iOS developers have have to do or have done in the past is is upload builds to App Store Connect, which is the you know the current name for what you to be called itunes connect uh mm-hmm. and uh, there used to be uh well one way to do it is, is just through the organizer and xcode but but sometimes if you use say something like jenkins and it generates builds you have to upload an ipa file up to up to the uh app store connect and there used to be a tool called application loader uh mm-hmm. that was part of xcode but it's as of xcode 11 it, it is no longer shipped with with xcode right so for a little while there it looked like the only solution was to use the command line tools uh XC tool uh it's uh AL something, you know, and, and a bunch yeah. of prams. Uh, but just, uh, this week, I think, uh, Apple released a, a new tool to the Mac App Store. I think it was actually available on the developer site, but it wasn't well advertised, but it's now available on the Mac App Store. So you can just download it called Transporter, which really does exactly the same thing. Uh, it's a, sta- it's a standalone app on your, that runs in your Mac and very simple to use. Just drag and drop your IPAs directly in and hit deliver and it just uploads them and, and gives you a status report. Reports uh, uh, as to what's going on, and, and uh, of course it'll tell you if there's errors uh, when when they're when those come up, and just kind of a nice convenient thing if you if you don't like uh, typing in the command line and, and uh, want to have a nice GUI to upload your IPAs, it's Apple's now providing a solution again.
0: Yeah, we did talk about this a little bit in um, around WWDC because I went to the What's New in the App Store uh, talk, uh-huh. and they they mentioned I, I completely forgot about it myself because you know we we were, we were scratching our heads at work a couple of weeks ago about the same issue. Issue. Yeah, yeah, um, but uh, but I, I did make some notes. I remember we talked about it on around our time over our thing because there was a few things that changed on the App Store um, recently. Like there's, I think we talked about new new debugging uh, capabilities like that. New statistics are available through this. Of course, I'm trying to look for my notes all day since you posted this. trying to find some information about it. But uh, yeah, we did talk about it on that episode. But and they did talk about this new transporter app. I wasn't sure when it was coming out, or yeah. and I completely forgot about it. It's been like you know a few months yeah. since I was at WWC, so. Yeah. Yeah, so that was, uh, that's cool. Yeah. Can you, uh, by the way, just as a bit of follow up, if you are, if you are looking at, if you're still using the, you can still use the app, um, app loader, application loader, what was it application called? Application loader, I think it's called. Yeah, you can yeah. still use it. And, and in fact, you know, if you, if you, if you go into the, um, if you go into an older copy of Xcode, like Xcode 10, and you hit show, go package contents, you can actually go in and find the applications that are built in, and you can drag out the, the app and, and have it run as a standalone if you want to mm. get rid of your Xcode. Yeah, make and make a copy of
2: it before you update, uh, Xcode. Yeah. Yeah, and, yes.
0: and so what I heard was that, um, um, uh, it will work for a couple more versions. You know, it'll work with 11. It'll work with a few, few ones coming up, but yeah, eventually it's going to stop working altogether. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're not updating through the app store, are you Mark? Or are you using downloads like the download center on, um, developer account?
2: Uh, sorry, what are you asking?
0: Well, cause I never, I, I don't update my, my Xcode through the app store because I need to have more than one version at a time on my Mac. Oh, Oh no, I do it through the app store. Do you? Yeah. What about you, Hami?
1: Um just App Store, I think. Well, no wait, I guess it varies, but yeah, it, it, it predominantly App Store for stuff. Yeah.
0: yeah. Hmm. I don't know, about, I've, I've had some bad experiences earlier on with, with Xcode on the App Store, so I just, I got out of the cycle of downloading it. So I guess our, our fans can let us know through with the hashtag AskMTJC whether you prefer to use the Mac App Store version of Xcode or you download it from the developer site. Yeah, I, I, I think
1: what was coming to my mind is um, I do tend to do like the GMs, GM builds through, you know, like developer.apple.com yeah. Uh, betas of course um and then on rare occasion it'd be like oh we're actually not ready to move forward to the app store to the yeah. uh the latest like xco all right kind of have to go delete the app store version now <laughs> And, and install the other one or, you know, just sort of try to make life easier so I don't accidentally update and it's like, oh, damn it, now i got to go remove it again sort of thing.
0: Yeah. I changed the name of the app, of the app so that I can have more than one version. Like, I always have one Xcode version that I run, but, but occasionally I'll have I'll have the older version for patches and things like that that I need to do.
1: Yeah. Does that like, does that work with the App Store version? Like, can you go rename that without bad things happening? I've never tried can. that. I've, I've done it with the,
0: it's, it's just an app. The App Store is just a, the Mac App Store is just a delivery mechanism. The problem with Mac App Store, though, is if you have 10 on your machine, like 10, two, one and you hit that update button, right, it's going to clobber the one that's in, it's going to clobber the one you have named Xcode in your in your application directory and replace it with the latest version, right? So, right. you can rename yeah. it and then go to the App Store and download it and it'll, it, the Mac App Store, and it'll it it'll, it'll untouch, the, it won't touch the other one as well, right? I've done that before. But I got away from using the Mac App Store for Xcode a long time ago. The build machines, the Jenkins machine that Mark just mentioned, has to have the, the same version of Xcode that you're building with, right? So, depending what you're working with, so that can be that can be problematic. Updating updating those all at once, right? All right. So, Jaime, do you have a pick?
1: I do. It's a YouTube video of um, friend of the show, Rob Whittaker, talking about accessibility. Uh, is apparently one that he presented at the Southwest Mobile Meetup Group, which is in Bristol, in the United Kingdom. For those of you wondering, that is close to Bath, uh, which is near and dear to my heart because of the Canterbury Tales, uh, and also not that far away from a place that I'm going to call, regardless of what people tell me. Uh, I'm going to call it Tauntaun because of Star Wars. Uh, it looks like Taunton is probably how you pronounce that, but uh,
2: I think Taunton I'm going go What's that? I think Taunton is the is correct or more correct pronunciation.
1: I'm sure it is, but unlike yeah. the other sauce that shall not be named, um, <laughs> I'm going to go with Tauntaun <laughs> because it amuses me more. I'm actively getting it wrong. Right. I apologize for all of yeah, our fans yeah, in Taunton. You rebel you, I Jaime. Mean. <laughs> um, uh, but in all seriousness, I, I think this is kind of similar or it might even be exactly the same talk that he has given at um, either iOS WK UK or uh, Code Mobile, because uh, I met Rob uh, at, at both of those uh, both of those conferences. Uh, I think one of them was not recorded. So if it was this one, like, hooray! Now you've gotten a chance to see it. it it's a really good take on um, sort of what it means for things to be accessible. Uh, it's more than just uh, voiceover, I think, as he says there, and it's, uh, it's kind of in vain with what we were talking about with the, the Domino's case. It, it somewhere in here, I guess, spoilers, sorry to to steal the thunder, thinking about it as not um, adding accessibility, but really removing barriers, sort of changes the whole mindset about this.
0: Yeah, so not just about visual impairment, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and, uh, you know, something I hadn't really uh, thought about for myself, I'm like, you know, I don't ordinarily uh, think of myself as uh, having a disability, right, I think. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, you're young. (laughs) So there's that, right, there is the, like, uh, and Rob mentions here, like, eventually we will all have some disability, right? It's just a matter of time. Um, but even now, I'm like, wait, but I, I use contact lenses, corrective lenses, right? Uh, contact mm-hmm. lenses or eyeglasses. I'm like, that's a straight-up disability, right? If I don't have those things with me, uh, I cannot see clearly beyond a certain distance. And it's it's weird to think how that's just sort of normalized as not being a disability. Um, so I, I think this is a good talk. It's like 30-ish minutes. You can watch it during lunchtime. It's entertaining, and I think you'll you'll learn something from this and certainly get a, a really good perspective on things. I think.
0: Cool. Looking forward to that. So I do have one more pick and um, not quite, not quite as stealthy as Greg, but I just put, it, I honored my system and just put it in order that, that I posted the, we post the articles. This one is uh, just came out today is uh, essential or a couple of days ago. guess. Essential Xcode shortcuts for more efficient coding uh, by Pierre Freeze, and um, interesting stuff. Uh, talks about different uh, c- things we talked about before in the past. We've, talked about the command shift J keyboard command which is one of my favorite keyboard commands uh, that's the one where if you do if you find uh, if you do a search and you find a line of code and you want to see what file that's in you can Command shift J and it'll open up um, there's one here for completion I use the escape key when I'm in the middle of something and I want to see what the variable things for um, code completion are I'll hit the escape key yeah that's what and I do too. Those up and, and then but the, apparently if you hit the this looks like a, uh, is that the option key plus space let's go up to the legend control and space apparently we'll we'll also do that um, uh, code completion, bring up the code completion pop-up for you. Um, moving lines, you know, moving up and down, um, indenting. Um, apple D, I didn't know that, deletes an entire line, which is nice. Um, commenting lines, I think we all know the, the command slash uh, command will um, uh, comment out lines or block of text if you've got it selected. Um, the commands for indenting, going back and forth and around and navigating around on the keyboard. Um, finding the call hierarchy I thought was an interesting one too. This is uh, shift, control, apple, and H. Um, and so, if you're in, if you're, if you hit a, a method or a function, and you want to find out where that, where where it's being utilized in the in the call hierarchy, you can hit that key command combination, which was Shift Control Apple. Or sorry, I said Apple again, didn't I? Shift Control Command and H. By the way, I, for those of you who are who don't who are too young to know, but the Apple key used to be on the command key, which is why also old folks called the Apple key. Um, but yeah, it'll show you the whole call hierarchy, call hierarchy, so you can see where if, if you're thinking about making a change. To your app, how, how big a change it's going to be, or even if even if you're trying to trace how something how you get from one point to another in your app, if you're looking at a large code base, that's kind of handy. You guys probably know Control uh, uh, Command and O to do a uh, quick open to open get the quick open menu come up. Um, that's a big, big popular one at uh, at my office. Um, yeah, so it's an interesting thing. And then of course you know the mini map is the new thing in Xcode uh, Xcode 11 where you can scroll over the mini map and have things pop up. And if you hold the Command key down, uh, it'll pop up all of the various methods and markers that you have in your, your mini-map, and you can jump around. So interesting stuff, toggling views on and off, things you may not think about. There, somewhere I have an Xcode uh, cheat sheet as well, which probably needs to be updated for Xcode 11. That's cool, right?
1: Yeah, I, I think these things can be a little overwhelming to try to learn. I would say don't try to learn them all at once. Yeah, one or two, just yeah. spend like a couple days just repeatedly using one until you sort of don't yeah. even remember what it is. And somebody asks you, what's that key command? like, uh, I don't know. Let me try doing it and then see where yeah. my fingers are. Right? It just becomes a muscle memory. Like, uh, as you mentioned, the shift command O to do the quick open Mm -hmm, combined mm -hmm. with the shift command J, I want to say it is, to, you know, quick open a file and say, where the heck is this thing in the hierarchy in the file system? Right, yeah. And then it will show you on the project navigator. Like, it will go right there. Like, that is super useful, uh, especially when you are brand new to a code base. You're like, how do I even, where is this thing? Yeah, how do I even, that's a good question. Yeah, how do I even, you're just like, oh gosh, what is going on here? This isn't built in any way. Shape or form similar to where I was before. And now you're like, well, just sort of poking around. And the the call hierarchy one is also a pretty good one if you're going into that level of the code.
2: Yeah, I like that one.
1: I, I will say the one that um, I like a lot, but then hate when Xcode bugs out, and that's the comment and uncomment lines. Because inevitably yeah. what has happened is I have commented out a whole bunch of lines, and then it just decides not to listen to that keyboard shortcut anymore. I'm like, oh no. Oh, really? No, I have to restart Xcode, damn it. What? <laughs> have you never had this happen to before It was like I don't know if it's prevalent in eleven. It, maybe they fixed it, but in ten, it was just like source kit or something would just hmm. die and refuse to, to do what I wanted to do.
0: Yeah, I, I don't have that problem. Like I said earlier in the show, my problem is the uh, is the connection to Git gets lost. Right.
1: My favorite command though is to hold the Option
0: key down and click on a click on any file in the in the project navigator, and it'll open it side by side with the current page you have open. Side by side editor if you're oh, like nice. Free. I don't
2: know about that one. Yeah, is it yeah,
1: I about uh, that one Option yeah, I Command or? option and command and shift. You just to hold Option
0: key down and then click, click on, like, click on it, like, open a file in in the standard editor, which is the single editor, and then you hold the Option key down and click on another file in the Project Navigator, and it'll open it in the right-hand pane.
1: Right. Uh, something so you can I do, do a
0: quick comparison. Right.
1: Something I do in addition to that is, and I, I don't remember if it's Option command or Shift Option command, um, but doing the same sort of thing, and then it will give you an op, a, a set of options of like, do you want to replace the right-hand pane? Do you want to open another one? Right, yeah. Underneath it, do you want to open a tab? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's pretty useful when I'm trying to set up a, a workspace for like working on a set of related files. Yeah, and, uh, then, and of, think,
0: of course you can you can also hold the Option key down and or is it sorry Command key Option key and click on a, a property and or an object in in the um, in your code. And it'll tell you what type it is. We've seen that one.
1: Oh yeah 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 that that definitely makes sense because you would be using it in Swift where you're like what is this thing?
0: Yeah, it'll tell it's, you whether it's an optional or whatever, right? Which is nice. You know, a lot the of dreaded don't optional any... optional. I was like, oh, no. I mean, you can't tell from the word what what type it is, you know, unless you go back and look at the where you declared it, right? Right.
1: Yeah, and that's sort of the...
2: Now, will it, will it work if you if you tap on like a dollar sign zero inside a closure? Will it tell you what type that is? Oh, I have no idea. That's an interesting That would be one, an interesting right? one. That would be a useful thing.
0: That is so abstracted, right?
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As I'm saying, it's like the other side of the terseness that you you sort of need the the editor to help you fully understand what's happening in yeah. code, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're writing less of it, you know, for sure, compared to like Objective C. Yeah. Uh, but with Objective C, like, it was like, what type is it like, like, bro, it's either in the name or you can see the the declaration right there. Mm-hmm. Versus, you know, let foo. I was like, cool. What is foo? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Depends on what the assignment statement, you know, resolved to.
2: Clearly, it's of type bar, right? Right. Well, the one thing that Xcode could do to improve my productivity by productivity by a thousand percent is to fix the damn breakpoints.
0: Yeah. So, so it's, 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 it's funny every since you said that, it's been really slow on, yeah. on Xcode 10 for me, on 10, yeah. not, not on 11. Oh, right?
2: yeah. 11's worse. Yeah. I heard you guys talking about is this is slow breakpoints, ridiculously slow breakpoints.
0: Yeah. Put a breakpoint in your code, run it. And then and you'll see that it'll hit the breakpoint and it'll take in, in the, the property uh, debugger at the bottom will take forever to yeah. render what you'll there. see a
2: spinner in the property uh, console window. Yeah. And then it'll, it'll take like literally 30 seconds or a minute. And then every time you single step, it also does that. And, then when you hit start sometimes it takes a long time to start up again too it's, yeah. it's crazy not start but the go button yeah does it's it, really
1: uh, really awful does it also just as a point of clarification does it also act slow if you have the uh, continue evaluation yes. after hitting this breakpoint thing
2: uh, not as slow but those have always been slow unfortunately they're almost they're it's mm. such a useful concept and it could be so amazing if it actually worked reasonably well but but they're so slow they slow your code down so much even before all these mm-hmm. problems and unfortunately they're just almost not even useful it's really too bad
1: really i i, I never noticed any problems with them uh, prior like i would really? use them to oh. to do like print statements instead of actually adding print statements yeah, to yeah. to the code or uh making sounds if it hit a certain scenario yeah like you know like the sosumi sound or the interesting the yeah, yeah i've
2: always had timing issues with them really a shame.
1: i definitely haven't done it on anything that i would notice timing issues oh, okay like like high performance type stuff yeah, yeah it was more like you know did this delegate get called, you know, did, is this variable um, after the 50th iteration, is it 20, right, that sort of thing? Right,
2: right. Yeah, maybe that's what it's meant for, I suppose.
1: I mean, it's not good that it's apparently taking a long amount of time to render useful information, like it's warming up a huge, you know, debugging system. Yeah,
2: um, yeah, yeah. It's. I hate to say it, but it's almost useless now because it's so slow. <laughs> it's faster to go in and put in print statements and do another build. Really? Sometimes, oh. yeah. That's well, how long your build takes, I suppose.
0: Caveman debugging. Yeah. I'm still trying to look from last week what that area down there. I am pretty sure it was called a variable debugger, a property debugger. I can't find any uh, reference to it. All right. Anyway, I guess that's it for another week, hey, Jaime? So if people want to find you, where would they look?
1: I'm on Twitter as at devwiththehair. All right. And Mark, if you want to get in touch with you? Mark R at smopsoft.com. All right.
0: As I say every week, my name is Dimitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A. On the Twitter machine is where you'll find me. So until next time, we'll say bye-bye.
1: Bye. 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 This is friend of the show Mac and Talk, also known as the Talking Moose, eh? If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the more than just code website at mtjc.fm. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at mtjc
2: If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskMTJC. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review
1: on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com/mtjc. You can find details on how to help us out on our website at mtjc.fm. Now stick around for the after show. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.
2: Over. so my app store connect problems continue this whole time <laughs> i've been watching so my build went into processing yeah before the show started mm-hmm. and it's still in processing on apple yeah what yep. this is an
1: hour and a half it should only take like 20 ish minutes
2: it's two and a half hours since i will put it in i know oh man yeah i know i've been having all wow. sorts of problems all day i guess i got I have to upload a new build but that's
0: you got trouble right here in river city yeah that is annoying yes i want to know where all my free space went i wanted to know
1: and hmm? in my head, I'm thinking back to talking about the Taylor Swift stuff. All those tw- Taylor Swift searches <laughs> filling up your hard drive.
0: Oh, hey! So here, here's your real time follow up. Remember, I said last week I was working on that movie, right, um, for SpotCast. So I just I just went to do a, a search on my drive. To see, like I, I run um, uh, calculate folder sizes all the time on my drive. So I'm looking at movies is 89 gigabytes. All of a sudden, what the heck is in there? So 41 gigabytes is just the, the rendered files from the SpotCast. Broadcast um, video, so well, that can all go in the trash. Interesting stuff. But that's so there's an, a perfect example of of cache that I can see that's being used up here. Why can't I get into this file?
1: Does okay. it um, does it go away like when you reboot? Like how how hosed does this caching problem?
0: Well, in the case of in the case of it's all temporary files that that. Um, um, uh, Final Cut Pro makes to, to edit, right? So, and it's not stuff I need. Like I'm not going to redo this again. Like There's original file, there's rendered file, shared items, transcoded media, like because it renders it, right? So, this is why Toy Story 4 took so long, by the way.
1: It's true. That's why there's enough stories of like, oh no, like they almost lost the digital files for, I think Toy Story might have been one of them, mm-hmm. um, except for some random artist or engineer decided they needed it a whole copy to do stuff at home. And so they were able to piece it together from what they had there. Yeah.
0: I just found a folder here called um, rendered files, right? 85 gigabytes of rendered files for this, for this, you know, one and a half hour movie. What the heck? Like quality media. Well, what do I need this for? Can I just toss it? This is like the, the application support stuff in, um, in, uh, um, for Xcode, right? With all the, the developer, all the different simulators and stuff. Take up a ton of, ton of space. Mm-hmm. I used to have some extra or sort of Final Cut projects in here, so I bet you that was taking up a ton of space on my on my machines too. Interesting. So how do I get rid of this guy? I'll Have to go to the web and ask. Hmm. Maybe It's called Final Cut Pro because it's the last app you'll be able to use on your Mac.
2: <laughs> or is it? Because after you use it, you you uh, have the nerve to make the final cut. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> there's a reference in there that you have to get. Tim got it. Mm-hmm. I mean, did you get
1: it? I mean, it have gotten it in the same way. I was thinking of it as like a Final Cut Pro gag, but maybe it has a different layer.
2: Yeah, no, that is a Pink Floyd song. Felt the final final cut mm-hmm. oh I, I didn't get it's that su- it's basically about suicide and the lyric is i never had the nerve to make the final cut uh, but as i was saying after using final cut pro you'll have the nerve to make the final cut <laughs> <laughs> that's so dark <laughs> it's pretty dark <laughs> i know maybe take that out of the show tim <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but after dealing with app store connect you know <laughs> mm-hmm. ready for the final cut right. anymore? yeah maybe so
1: the thing that tries being bananas about you know itunes connect and now i guess app store connect is it seems like it's all driven off of some weird batch file system that like if it didn't pick up whatever sentinel file it was supposed to pick up mm-hmm. it just dies
2: yeah
1: just stays there and it doesn't do anything there's no um self-healing monitoring sort of thing that i can ever tell happens it's like if it got stuck and it's been 20 minutes it's like guess what it's stuck like it will never come back until right. oh, the you death of the universe
2: with the processing issue that i'm having now as soon as you upload another build they'll both get pushed through guaranteed i've seen this a, a lot of time yeah so now you'll have two builds that are exactly the same here. Uh. because it's like you're doing something triggers it to go through somehow <sighs> it's just a game of sleeps <laughs> <laughs> a slight change of topic. Is it, uh, should I go see Dweezil Zappa playing Hot Rats live? You know, um, yeah,
0: I, I kind of, I'm kind of asking myself the same question. I'm, you know, it, Hot Rats is not one of my favorite albums, but but it's got a couple of really good songs on it. It's got uh, Peaches and Regalia and Willie the Pimp, right? Yeah. Um, but he's playing, I think it's like eight, six songs or eight songs. They're all mostly instrumentals from from that, it's from that early seventy mid 70s time, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's good stuff and it's all jazzy, you know, kind of stuff. And then, then it's, he does a few other songs. You can, if you look at the set list, it's not a great set list, in my opinion. But yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, um, yeah he's, he's just announced another bunch of tour dates, right? Right. I think you're going, yeah, you're going there's to one right him. around here. Yeah, because, because yeah, he's playing at the Phoenix Concert Theater here, which is where I saw him last time, and, it, and that's a good theater. It's a small club, and, and it's, there's no seating. It's just standing room only, or general admission, I guess. Um, And that's, that's it's a really, you know, because it's really intimate. You can get it right up front and that kind of stuff, right? So, I'm, I'm kind of debating. My sister is a big Zappa fan, and we went and saw him play last time he was here so it's good he's got a good band right now so yeah. I'd, I'd go see me well you saw him with the, with the hendrix thing yeah what but was he, how was that
2: it was good but you know he doesn't play any of his own stuff and well not that yeah. not that it's his own stuff this time too but and yeah. but and it's but it's part of an ensemble where he's only playing a few songs yeah uh, with other people so sure, sure. not really seeing him
0: well, if you go to my youtube channel i've posted a few um videos i made of him playing at the phoenix last time he was there right a couple of songs i really like and um i gotta say though you know it's great that he's doing his dad's music and it does sound a lot like his dad's music but he and he did spend a couple of years trying to learn how to play like his dad but he's he doesn't play like his dad right 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 like he doesn't have Zappa had a sort of real punchy he calls it sort of a chicken like a chicken eating seed kind of style right That's how he explains it but if you watch him play and you listen to him play it's he hasn't got the same fluidity that that Zappa had Frank Zappa had right mm-hmm. so yeah I kind of because I, I haven't gone back and watched the videos I made of him you know at the time when you're watching him play it's really impressive but when you go back and look at it and see it again you can definitely see it's not he's not emulating his dad he's playing his dad's music which right. is slightly different. Right, right. Yeah. The band the band he puts together is really tight. I mean like they're amazing musicians, right? Have you have you ever seen Zappa Dweezel Zappa play anything other than Hendrix? No, no I haven't yeah I mean if you're if you're into Zappa at all I would I would definitely recommend you go see, see him at least once mm-hmm. right I've seen him like a hundred times yeah. or something like that. Yeah. I've seen him like eight or nine times and I went and had a he did a, a guitar workshop and i went to i went to that one Oh, there. you did oh, okay
2: yeah so you can play like zappa now too
0: no i can play like <laughs> weasel <laughs> actually no i can't play like weasel because weasel's a uh um a van halen fan right so hmm. you know so he plays like he plays like uh his 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 shtick is to play that sort of you know pick, you know hammering up the up the fingerboard and all that kind of stuff right so and the fast you know shr- i would call it shredding right right so, right that's his that's his his particular style huh.
2: So I saw Bob Dylan on Monday night. Yeah, how was that? It was really good. You know, you got. I mean, you got to know what you're in for, right, with Dylan. Yeah, you've seen him. Have you seen him live, Tim?
0: I haven't, but I've seen him. Pl- I've seen him play on on video and stuff like that. And they, I heard somebody say the other day, people either love him or hate him.
2: Right. If you yeah. if you don't know what to expect, and you're expecting, you know, a guy with a acoustic guitar playing "Blowing in the Wind," then mm-hmm. you're probably not going to be happy. Right. Because uh, it's so
0: that's not that guy. It's not anymore. that guy
2: anymore. Yeah. 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 I mean, his voice is pretty rough. Yeah. And um, you know, he kind of. He, he plays a little guitar, he plays a little piano, he plays a little harmonica, but he's mostly just kind of standing up there singing. Yeah. And he's not, you know, he's not the greatest singer in the world, yeah. but you know, if you're listening to the lyrics and if you can make out the lyrics.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that, yeah. that's what I mean. I, yeah. I've seen him play. I've seen him live and there was a tribute concert where a whole bunch of people came and sang his stuff and then oh, he, yeah. he got up and sang and you could not tell what he was singing.
2: Well, and that was like 30 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. He's gotten worse. <laughs> yeah. I mean, worse in terms of, you know, harder to understand. Yeah. Yeah. and and also he you know he's always been known for changing the arrangements of his songs
1: mm-hmm.
2: at a moment's notice so he'll be playing something and you won't recognize it because you can't really understand the words and the music is unfamiliar and then you'll realize that it's a song that it's a song you've known for 40 years mm-hmm. like uh, they, like you did that with it ain't me babe you know yeah. very well known song Yeah, uh, could barely could barely recognize it until right. until like the, the chorus kicked in mm. yeah but it's still it's still a really good show you know it's it's, uh, yeah. it's i'm definitely glad i went yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. So I just deleted 85 gigs of data off my drive, and my drive still says 32 gig, 30 gigs available. Uh, I literally just removed it. Like, I, do, I don't understand what's going on with this finder. Yeah. Been busted for months. <clears throat> yeah.
2: All right, guys. I think I got to go going because I got to deal with this stupid build. Uh, yeah. All right. I'll right. We'll talk to, talk you, to later. you later. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Have fun. Thanks.